Turn to Philippians, please. Turn to the book of Philippians. And we will read together. We read from verse 9. For this reason, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, <clears throat> every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I've been meditating on this passage for for a bit and i thought of many ways to begin this sermon this morning but i thought to begin it by telling you this my beloved brothers and sisters one day one day you are going to be promoted to be exalted with christ you're going to be in peace with christ you're going to receive the joy of Christ. And all your labor in the Lord <clears throat> from this place will be done away with. And all the pains and sorrow will be no more. Your trials and tribulations will be a thing of the past. Your sins will be remembered no more. All of your tears will be wiped away and Christ will forever be your God at the final resurrection. Why? Because Christ has risen and Christ rose from the grave and he ascended to the Father's side. And we ought to be excited about that. Uh, you know, that Christ himself said, this is the will of him who sent me that all that he has given me, I'll lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise him up in the last day. I want to encourage you, brethren, for their life for you, such a great, amazing glory, an unfading one, a pure one, one that is without spot and wrinkle, and you will forever be blessed in the presence of the Lamb, and you will enjoy the marriage supper of the Lamb. But until then, my beloved brothers and sisters, we have a high calling. We have a high calling in exalting Jesus Christ now, in glorifying Him in this life, to magnify Him, to lift up His name, to make Him known, to hail Him and give Him honor and bring Him all the glory with a thankful heart. For if whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, we do all for the glory of God. And as we looked at Philippians the last time, that Jesus Christ was the perfect example of humility in his humiliation so that we may look on him as the example on how to live 
because Jesus, although he was in the form of God, he was equal with God. He did not found it a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. And he took on the form of a servant, of a bond servant, a slave, and be made in the appearance of man. He humbled himself. We saw that humiliation all the way to the point of death. And remember, no one humbled Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. Pontius Pilate could not humble Jesus, and the Jews could not humble Jesus. Satan could not humble Jesus. Jesus humbled himself. But if that was the whole story, the whole picture that God will leave his people through the Apostle Paul, it would kind of be sad because we're meant to look at Jesus, become slaves, become low, and then what? This next section here, it it shows us even though Christ came spiraling down first and he suffered as he had to suffer for without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. This second part here that we're going to see is the exaltation of Christ. As we saw last time that no one ever started so high as God himself and became so low, this morning we're going to see no one started so low and he's going to become so high to be exalted to the highest of heights. And Paul's desire is actually so that the people of God will be encouraged to look at Jesus, the humble servant, but look at Jesus and what he accomplished and what happens to him will also happen to you. Did you know that? That one day Christ at his appointed time will exalt his church. But as been well said, first there needs to be the cross and then the crown of glory. The Bible tells us that when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. I wanted to begin this way, brothers and sisters, to excite you to understand that the last time, even though we looked at Jesus who became a servant unto death, he's resurrected and he's ascended. We don't believe in a dead God or a fake idol or some made up God. No, Christ is risen and he's ascended to the Father's right-hand side. Our aim in this life is to live in whatever capacity, availability, and health that you have to give glory to God. That's our aim in this life. And I'm sure if you're a believer today, you're not going to sit there in your heart and say, I only want to give a little bit of glory to Christ because He deserves All the glory from us. The title for this morning's sermon is Behold the Exalted Christ. And we only have two points that we're going to look at. The exaltation of Christ and the purpose of the exaltation of Christ. So look with me in verse 9. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is about above every name. You know, the last time we looked at 
the Apostle Paul opening up the floodgates of heaven and revealing to us Christ who became a servant and he became so low. Paul now, by the power of God and the Holy Spirit, he opens up the grave to show us the risen Lord. And he says, for this reason, what reason are we talking about here? That God the Father highly exalted Christ. Well, it was because Jesus humbled himself. He showed humility for the purpose of his humility. For, for this reason, because Jesus showed perfect obedience to the Father. This reason, because Jesus suffered, he endured suffering for the joy that was set before him. For this reason, for this reason that Jesus Christ became a slave and died. And in essence, the father is saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I am pleased in him. He kept my law perfectly, satisfied my righteous requirement. He alone can forgive sin. He forgave sin. He removed the guilt. His death was sufficient for this reason. The last time we saw Christ, that the Father was pleased in crushing His only begotten Son. And now we're going to see God the Father all the more excited and pleased to exalt His Son. Exalt Him. It's amazing that Jesus shows us what it means, practice what you preach. Do you know that, right? Jesus himself says, he who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus put to practice exactly what he said. He humbled himself, the perfect example of that. And God the Father now has exalted him and will exalt him. He was more pleased, let me tell you, than exalt his son, than to crush his son. Jesus, he stepped down in humility, experiencing humiliation. He didn't practice his full authority, becoming a man in the likeness of man. The same Jesus will be exalted. The Father highly exalted him. That means to the highest position, to the highest place of exaltation, to, to the highest place of glory. But that had me thinking, in what way did God the Father highly exalt Jesus if Jesus was already exalted in the first place? In what way? If he, he was in the form of God and he didn't count a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. How did God the Father then highly exalt this Jesus? Did Jesus have different glory right now? Well, something happened. Jesus clothed himself with humanity. He was no longer just seen as the son of God because he became the son of man and becoming the son of man, he became the God man. And he was exalted to that position because Jesus was now the God man. This is new in heaven. It had not been done before. And because of Jesus' sacrificial acts, 
and becoming a man, God highly exalted him. Many of you have been doing a study and what Sam has been drawing us little scribbles. Do you remember what's the difference within the Holy Trinity? Only something that Jesus has that the Father does not have and the Spirit does not have. It's humanity. It was added to Christ and He will forever be the God-man, highly exalted. Acts chapter 5 verse 30 to 31 says, The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom he had put to death by hanging him on a cross. He is the one whom God exalted to the right hand as a prince and savior and granted repentance to Israel and the forgiveness of sin. God highly exalted Jesus in his obedience because it was through his obedience that many were made to be the children of God. Jesus was broken. He was spat upon. He was called a glutton, Beelzebub, tempted by the devil. He was made a slave. He was mocked and whipped and scorned and tortured. And crowned with a crown of thorns. And he hung naked and shamefully in public on a cross with criminals. For this, the God-man received great glory from God the Father. We read in Revelation, I'll read it to you from chapter 5, about this Jesus. I pray that this is exciting you because if you're not excited about this, I don't know what will excite you because one day you will be with this Jesus, whether today or tomorrow and in 80 years. Chapter 5 of Revelation, verse 11, it says, Then I looked and I heard a voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and a number of them were myriads of myriads and thousands upon thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was, that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth on the sea and all things in them are heard saying to him who sit on the throne and the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And God's people say, Amen. You know, I'm not sure if the fish here are also speaking because it says everything in the sea. And maybe as the scripture says in Isaiah, even the trees will clap their hands. All created things understand God and give glory to Jesus Christ. Jesus was highly exalted even over the devil. Even though the devil might have just bruised his heel, he crushed his head. So that the people of God will come freely and cheerfully to worship him. Jesus was highly exalted as the God-man in that the first Adam, what he could not do, Jesus accomplished by abolishing the righteous requirement of the Lord, of the Lord to bring many sons to glory. God highly exalted Jesus Christ in his ascension. 
and his resurrection, Jesus did not stay in the grave. This is the second part of the gospel. And Paul wants to make sure that the, the, that the brothers and sisters are hearing this. You suffer a little while, but you will be exalted with this Christ. You'll be exalted one day. The Jews could not kill him. Pilate could not fault him. The devil could not tempt him. And death could not hold him. Jesus is exalted. And he's exalted. The Father exalted him and gave him authority. Over everything. He's highly exalted above angels, above everything. And he sits at the right hand of the Father, reigning on high. This was something in heaven that hadn't happened yet. Because Jesus had not been ever the God-man before. We read uh, just one more verse. I, I, this is so beautiful. Uh, in, in Ephesians one twenty to 22, it says about Jesus, God the Father, He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. Wow. And he's highly exalted now as an intercessor. He intercedes for his people and he sympathizes with your weaknesses and definitely with my weaknesses. God says in Isaiah about this Jesus. Isaiah 52, 13, my servant will prosper. He will be high and lifted up and greatly exalted. And when the Lord returns to rule and reign, he will not be wearing a crown of thorns. In Revelation 19, 12, we read, on his head are many diadems. Oh, man. Oh. And he has a name which is written on him, which no one knows except himself. Christ is exalted. Everything has been made to put under him. Behold, Christ is exalted. And Paul is encouraging the believers, brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Humble yourself in the presence of the Lord. He will exalt you in due time. This is the exaltation of Christ. And God the Father did something else. It says in our text for this morning that He gave Him, bestowed on Him the name which is above Every name and bestowed means he gave it to him freely and cheerfully because Jesus' name is more excellent than any other name. This father loved the son so much so because he died for the elects in spite of what the world thinks of him or thought of him. 
regardless of the mockery and the scorn, it pleased the Father to exalt Him and give Him a name that is above every name. And this name speaks of something amazing. No other name comes close to this name. Look at verse 11 for a minute in our text. It says that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That name that God the Father gave to Jesus speaks of majesty, authority, exaltation, glory, and ranking. And it is a special name. Do you know why? It is Yahweh. It is the name Yahweh. Paul didn't just flippantly put this verse here. No. I'll quote you Isaiah so you will get it. Isaiah 45, 22 and 23. Let me read it to you. This is Yahweh of the Old Testament. This is like some 750 years before Christ was born in a manger. And we read, turn to me, Yahweh says, and be saved. All the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. This is Yahweh, correct? And I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not return back to me until every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. What is this name? Jesus has the name Yahweh. It's talking to us that this Jesus is God himself. Now, I know what you're thinking. Didn't Jesus have this name before? Wasn't he already Yahweh? Why did God then crown him with this name and give him this name? It's simple. That name was given to the God-man. It was given to Christ, the human. And there, Christ, the man, and Yahweh became the God-man. Did you get that? Let that sink in. When people tell you that Jesus is not God, here's your passage for you. Every knee will bow at me, said Yahweh in the Old Testament. And here we see every knee will bow at Christ and confess him to be Yahweh. Wow. This is, this is the king that we worship. We worship Yahweh. He is Yahweh. And God gave him the name that is above every name. And so that he may receive that glory. And to the believers, he promises the same thing. That Christ one day will exalt you in that glory. Colossians 3, 4, we read, When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him in glory. Are you getting this, brothers and sisters? This life is temporal. It's very, very short. 
Philippians tells us later on in chapter 3, verse 20 to 21, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Yahweh, who will transform the bodies of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. Did you get that? I don't know how much more we can expound on us being in the presence of Jesus with His glory. But now we come to our second point. What happens with this name? What happens with the glory of Christ? What are we meant to do? What does God say happens next? Our second point, the purpose of the exaltation. Read with me from verse 10. So that, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. The reason that God the Father exalted Christ because He was the perfect Lamb in His humiliation, but the purpose goal of Christ was to exalt Him and give Him the name Yahweh so that every knee will bow, just as He prophesied. Jesus' name, God gave Him this name to bring Him honor and power and glory that every knee, let's understand that, every knee, every physical knee will bow to Christ. And every tongue will confess, every every tongue verbally will confess to Christ. There is not one knee here that will not bow. Uh, The angry man in the street, he will bend his knee. Uh, The gentle neighbor next door will bend their knee. The young lady in the shopping center will bend her knee. The old man in the nursing home will bend his knee. The grandmother and the grandfather playing bowls will bend their knee. The one who loves and the one who hates will one day bend their knee to Christ. Those who were with Christ at the time of his crucifixion, who mocked him and bowed to him in mockery and yelled, crucify him, they will bend their knee. Everyone in this place, whether you believe or not, will one day bend your knee to Christ. And to bow means to prostrate yourself, to bend over in submission, in reverence and in awe of this king that's the only thing that you can do at the day when you will face this god the only thing you can do in the presence of majesty is to bend your knee no one is exempt from this every knee will bend and that means they will recognize that jesus christ is lord some will do it out of gratitude and reverence and holy affection and awe and wonder at Christ and perhaps say, oh Lord, why did you take so long? But some of you will not do that. You will be forced to bend your knee to Christ. He will make you bend your knee to Him. 
You fall asleep when you come to church. You're looking at your phone when you're at church. And you're going somewhere else when you're at church and you call yourself a Christian. Fine. What about you who are not a Christian? You shut your ears to what you hear every single week. One day you will bend your knee to Christ. Who are these people? Those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And confession speaks about agreement, acknowledging. There won't be a disagreement on that day who Jesus Christ is. No one will say, nah, Jesus is still not Lord to me. No one will say on that day, Christ is not Lord. Every knee and every tongue. Who are they? Those who are in heaven. That means the saints that have gone before us have now joined the holy angels and all the living creatures in heaven and are singing, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. They are worshipping Him and they are bending their knee now. They're worshipping Christ and confessing Him as Lord. But then there are those who are on earth. And that means if Christ will come and rapture his church and come back, that will mean people who believe and people who don't believe on earth will bend their knee to Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord. And those who are under the earth, the angels who have been locked up since Noah's flood and all the lost souls who have been there, they will do what? They will bend their knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The believers that will join the holy angels and confess in agreement with holy affection, with holy awe and adoration, singing praises to him with tongues of fire and submitting to Jesus Christ his Lord, the believers will delight in the Lord of their salvation. They will be filled with the joy in the presence of the Lord of their salvation. They will be overwhelmed by the love of their Lord of their salvation. And they will be amazed at His appearance of the Lord of their salvation. They will have peace and rest and forever worship Him. On that day, Oh, the holy saints will stand together and say, Lord, how good it is to see you. And we will say, worthy is the Lamb, worthy to receive blessing and honor and glory and dominion and eternal worship. And we will join the elders in the presence of the brightness of his glory and we will cast down our crowns to him. Because five minutes in the presence of Christ will outdo every lifetime that we have here put together. And yet, there are those of you who will not have that privilege. The demons and the unbelievers, they will also confess 
Jesus in agreement. But theirs will not be one of holy affection. It will not be of peace and love and joy and worship and honor and all the wonderful things that the people of God will receive and will experience. But their confession to Christ as Lord will be done in sheer terror and horror. The the Lamb will slay them. They will acknowledge Him as Lord in the shame of their rejection. And in them, God is glorified. God is glorified in people being in hell for rejecting Him. Imagine all those who heard the gospel, mocked the gospel, angry towards the gospel, hated the gospel. And if they were there with the the mockers with Christ that will say, crucify Him. When we preach the gospel, they say, crucify them. Imagine these people. I didn't want to bow down to Christ. They didn't want to submit to Christ because they're too busy with their lives, too busy with trying to find joy and happiness in this life, and you reject the Lord of glory. This God will not be your God. He will be your judge. And in shame and in pain and in sorrow and in torment, night and day, with no rest, they will hear this sound throughout eternity. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus humbled himself to the will of the Father, and God delighted to highly exalt Him. Jesus did not come to seek His own glory and His own name, and yet God the Father gave Him greater glory and a greater name. He voluntarily and joyfully went and He bent His knee to serve people. God the Father gave Him authority over all things and said, One day every knee will bend. And every tongue will confess that you are Lord. No exemptions here. If you're here this morning and hearing the gospel truth again, let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said in Romans. Chapter 10, from verse 8, The word is near you. No one can save you but God by hearing the word. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a heart a person believes resulting in righteousness And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes will not be disappointed. Believe in Christ and what he has done personally for you. Do not overcomplicate the gospel. Believe in Christ 
in what he has done. He died and rose from the grave. And if that's true for you, then praise the Lord. No one should hold that against you if you believe that and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But if you have not confessed Jesus Christ as Lord, the preaching of the word of God and through the salvation offered to you right now, without humbling yourself, God will humble you all the way to hell. For those of us who believe, we will do this in humble adoration to Christ. For those who do not believe and do not trust Jesus Christ, let there be this a warning for you. You will do this in anger and torment, for there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. There will be no religious people who say, that's not the God I believe. There will be no agnostic people or atheists that day. Everybody will confess Christ Jesus as Lord and every knee will bend in submission to him. And if you have not bent your knee to Christ, I want to elaborate to you that the scripture tells us there is salvation in no one else. No one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. It's Christ alone. You are called to believe in him alone. Trust him. Have faith in Him. But be warned, my beloved friends, who continue to come week in and week out, do you know, and just put fingers in your ears. Maybe you're growing wax there. The psalmist tells us this in Psalm 2.12. Kiss the Son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Don't be fooled. Bow your knee and confess Christ now. Because Proverbs 29.1 says, A man who hardens his neck that means his heart. You got wax in your ears this morning. You, my unbelieving friends, and you're going to throw this out. Whatever I said to you, here's what the scripture says. If you harden your heart after much reproof, will suddenly be broken beyond remedy. There is a time where God will make you never listen to him again. But God is being gracious to you right here and right now. You must ask this question. Where do I want to bend my knee? Where do I want to confess Jesus as Lord? Here so that I can enjoy him for eternity? Or will I be made to do it in hell? Let me share something with you, brothers. And sisters, but more to you, my beloved friends, who are not my brother and not my sister yet. 
There have been tough men that have died and gone before us. Mussolini, Saddam Hussein, the mockers, Pilate at the crucifixion, all the religious leaders, all people who believe in other gods and demons and Judas. You know, all these people, they bend their knee and I'll confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You confess Jesus as Lord Yahweh. It means he saves. Jesus saves. Christ is the Messiah, the one whom God sent to save the people. And Lord, he is God. And of course, Paul to the brethren, he's saying to them, your salvation is sealed. But one day you're going to be in glory with this God. We will be bowing down to him because salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, by the revelation of the scripture alone, as we will see in a minute, for the glory of God alone. Here, I'm going to leave you with this, my unbelieving friend. My prayer for you that you will bow to Christ and confess him in this life, that you will not walk out of this place alone, but you walk out of here with Christ. It is in him alone, but you don't want to be found alone when you face Jesus Christ. You must ask, is Jesus the Lord of my life? Does he own me? Am I his? Because the final purpose of Christ's exaltation from the Father is that it tells us there in verse 11, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God the Father receives the glory because young people, old people, little people, believers, but even unbelievers and even holy angels will confess to his Son that he is Lord. Christ's redemptive work, his exaltation, his coronation, and all will bow down to him, brings great pleasure and glory to his Father. For Jesus said in John 13, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself. And I will glorify him immediately. So how do we apply this a little bit as believers? This is this was my unbelieving friends. Please, I beg of you, don't let this truth go past another minute of your day. But to my brothers and sisters, well, we have to go back and what we preached the last few times. Because this is a whole section when Paul is trying to explain to the brothers and sisters to be encouraged. Look at Jesus as the example in your life who became a servant. And he went on to say, if you recall from chapter 2, verse 2, make my joy complete, be of the same mind. And do nothing out of selfish ambition and empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. 
Do not merely look at your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. You want to bring glory to God. This is what you do. You want to exalt Christ in your life. This is what we're meant to do. We are supposed to do everything to bring glory to the name of Christ, to make Him known, to proclaim Him, to love Him, to serve the brethren. God the Father is glorified in that. When we have Christ's attitude, when we empty ourselves and serve one another, proclaim Christ together, doing things not out of selfishness, but selflessness, not looking at our own glory, but for the purpose of the other, for church unity, and great is your reward in heaven, and you will be glorified. And in that, whilst we do that, God the Father is glorified. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth. We are called to store up treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in or steal. But I just want to just give you a verse, brothers and sisters. In 1 John, I just really want to quickly go there. 1 John chapter 2. Just as a, a bit of a challenge perhaps to us. First John chapter 2 and verse 28. We don't want to be this person. Now little children abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence. That is boldness. And not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. There will be believers who will stand before God and they will feel ashamed. What a shame is that for me to even say that? That some Christians live your lives as useless vessels for the kingdom of God. In absolute uselessness, wasting time, never looking at others, never serving others, always wanting to be served, always gossiping, always complaining about someone else. In that day, there will be shame. May this not be the way we live our lives. May we live our lives as Christ lived his life. May we look to him as the servant king that in due time this Christ will exalt us, the believers. Amen. Father, we come before you, Lord. Father, we come before you understanding, Lord God, that you are such a, an amazing God who would even exalt us to the heights of the throne of Christ. For where He is, we will be. And as He is, we shall be also. What an amazing concept. But Father, until You take us home, You have left us here for a purpose, for a reason. To exalt the name of Christ. 
to make him known in our lives. Lord, I pray that this truth did not fall on deaf ears, did not fall on solid ground, but on ground that you've been plowing, that your people will bring forth fruit of righteousness, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, that we will be the people you've called us to be. Remind us, Father, that we're here for just a little time and to use our time wisely for the time is evil. And for our unbelieving friends, oh, Father, may they stop joking around and thinking that religious acts or any good in themselves will save them. They will bow their knee to Christ now and confess Him, Lord, as now, before it's too late. Please, we pray that your word will not come back to you void as we read, but will accomplish its purpose. That our unbelieving friend will be called brother or sister today. Amen.